I am Nandika and this is my episode about hurricane preparedness. Today I'm here with Mr. Earl Armstrong, a public affairs specialist at FEMA. He will share interesting and fasc- uh, fascinating stories as well as important strategies about hurricane preparedness. I'm super excited to have you, Mr. Armstrong. Welcome and thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Well, thank you for uh, the invitation to be here. Of course, yeah. So for my first question, I was wondering if you could provide a brief overview of your role at FEMA as a public affairs specialist for hurricane preparedness. All right. What what I uh, do is help the public understand that there are things they can do to lessen the impact of not only hurricanes, but we may as well t- uh, tell them about floods, tornadoes, and other events because much of the preparation is the same. I do that by uh, I participate in interviews and by going to preparedness events, and I uh, get out and visit with the uh, with school with the uh, schools to talk about preparedness. Uh, I'm not a member of the social media team, but but we do conduct preparedness campaigns there on social media, uh, talking about hurricane preparedness. Yeah, that sounds really cool, and like a variety of different things. And um, it's really cool that you talk to schools because I remember, especially when I was younger, that there would be members from like FEMA and other organizations that would talk to me about emergency preparedness, and that really inspired me. Um, so I was wondering if there, what the key steps are for individuals and businesses that they should take to prepare for a hurricane, and how can they stay informed about potential threats? Well, there are uh, there are uh, several things you can do. The very first thing is to learn about your risks. Is is your area uh, susceptible to hurricanes? Uh, and then you need to uh, purchase insurance, both homeowners and a policy from the National Flood Insurance Program. Because if something happens and a hurricane comes along and damages your home, uh, unfortunately, FEMA will not be able to put your your home completely 100% back together the way it was before the storm hit. Uh, You need to make evacuation plans and practice those plans. They're no good if you don't practice. And you want to pick an out-of-state contact to reach out to just in case your family is split up and you want to tell somebody where you are and that you're okay. This out-of-state contact will then let the rest of the family know that you're okay and, uh, and also that once once they've made contact with your out-of-state contact, they can let let you know that they're okay. Uh, and you you will probably have better luck sending a text than you would making a phone call. That's because with the uh, phone lines down and cell towers down, texts have a better shot at getting through because they don't take up as much bandwidth as a phone call. You want to put together emergency supply kits for your home and your car. And in those uh, supply kits, you want to be sure to include food, water, medications, cash, extra clothes, and shoes. And uh, don't forget about food, water, and medications for your pets because they get hungry and thirsty too and from time to time need medication. Learn what those evacuation routes are in your area. Listen to local broadcast weather reports and follow their instructions. And you want to buy a battery-powered radio or a hand-crank-powered radio so you can get weather and other important information 
And you also want to be sure to have a flashlight and batteries. And if you've got uh, canned goods in, in that uh, emergency supply kit, uh, it would be a really good idea to have a manual can opener. Yeah, those all seem like very important tips and very important to consider. Uh, thank you for that like list. And I feel like a lot of times, at least I would forget a lot of those items on the list, like I would create a pen. But as you said, it's very important to like practice it and go over all these details with our families. So what are common misconceptions in your opinion that many individuals have about hurricanes and hurricane preparedness? Well, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions people have. Some people believe it won't happen here or it won't be that bad here. I'll be safe here in my recliner while the hurricane comes ashore. Oh, and you know, I'll be able to go to the store and get food and water after the hurricane comes through. Unfortunately, in many cases, there's no power to run the stores and gas stations, and that's if they survive the wind and water. And even if they're open, the stores may not be as well stocked as they were before the storm. And, you know, we've all seen those disaster movies where something bad happens, and those movies make it look as though massive amount of AIDS will appear the day after a hurricane comes ashore. In reality, you, your family, your, and your neighbors and loved ones may be on your own for several days before help can reach you. That's why you need those, those emergency kits. And people concentrate on the winds of a hurricane. And yes, they are dangerous, but water kills more people in hurricanes than the wind does. When a hurricane comes ashore, it brings tidal surges with it. Some of those can be 20 to 30 feet tall. Uh, they also bring, they can also bring extremely heavy flooding rains and people lose their lives in those floods. Um, that's pretty like important as, and like a lot of like things that I didn't know personally that water kills more people in hurricanes than wind. So thank you for sharing. And in the context of hurricane preparedness, how does FEMA collaborate with local communities to ensure effective communication and response strategies? Well, we do a lot of things, and I'll try to boil, boil them down. Uh, one example is the year-round communication between FEMA and our state, tribal, and territorial government partners. We're always talking with communities about ways to mitigate against disasters. We have workshops, meetings, and tabletop exercises, as well as site visits to help us get to know one another. The last thing you need is to meet somebody for the very first time uh, in the middle of a disaster. Those tabletop exercises let FEMA practice with our partners so that we can find the weaknesses and the strengths in our plans to deal with hurricanes and other events. And FEMA external affairs staff talk with public information officers of state agencies and federal agencies to coordinate messaging. That's really cool. And I personally have also participated in table talk activities. So it was really cool that that is also being used in um, other FEMA like preparedness community plans. So how um, can individuals, in your opinion, help members of their community during or before a hurricane? Well, there are several things uh, that people can do. We'll, we'll uh, mention a few of the simple ones. 
they can take community emergency response team or CERT uh, training. Uh, during that training, volunteers learn about fire safety. They learn about light search and rescue techniques, uh, ways to, of organizing the teams, as well as disaster medical operations. People can donate to voluntary agencies, or they could sign up for first aid classes with the Red Cross, or they could volunteer with the Red Cross or other volunteer uh, voluntary agencies. These things are important because until the first responders, you know, the uniformed police officers and the firefighters arrive, guess what? You and your neighbors are the first responders. After a disaster, volunteers are needed for a number of activities. Yeah, that's pretty cool that, or not cool, but like important to know that we become first responders in that case. And I've taken cert before and I've really enjoyed the class. It's taught me like many life skills. And I feel like not only that I use for like emergency preparedness, but just day-to-day -day preparedness. And um, how has technology such as social media and mobile um, apps impacted the way FEMA communicates with the public before, during, and after a hurricane? Are there any specific apps that the public could download for hurricane warnings? Well, years ago, uh, before, before the internet and before social media and before iPhones, we relied on radio, TV, and newspapers to get information out there. Now, as you mentioned, there are a number of apps that people can use. Uh, one of the best is the FEMA app. It allows you to get real-time weather alerts, find emergency shelters in your area, help you prepare for uh, common hazards, and, and uh, a whole lot of other things. The FEMA app can help you learn basic preparedness strategies, like how to create a family emergency communication plan, what to pack in your emergency kit that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, and what to do immediately after a disaster. The FEMA app also uh, lets you find out if your location is eligible for FEMA assistance. It will help you find uh, disaster recovery locations, recovery center locations, I should say, and get answers to your questions. And you can instantly connect with FEMA's disaster resources so you can find the help that you need uh, when you need it the most right after that hurricane. Wow, it's really cool that the FEMA app contains that many different um, features and is that like resourceful. I have the app, but didn't know that it had these much um, resources and we'll definitely look at it more later. But um, can you share some examples of successful FEMA emergency preparedness initiatives or campaigns that have significantly improved community resilience in the face of a hurricane? Well, there, there are three or four that I can think of. Uh, one of them is a campaign by the National Weather Service, and I'm not sure if it's it's not entirely preparedness, but it uh, but it is a safety related thing, and that's turn around, don't drown by the National Weather Service. Then there's the National Flood Insurance Program. Participating communities adopt ordinances to help reduce the risk of flood damage, whether it's from you know, storm surge or, or flooding. Another example would be shelters that have been built in coastal areas, especially in cities along the Texas Gulf Coast. These structures uh, can be used as, uh, in normal times as, as a part of a school or, or an office building, 
but they also double as shelter from both tornadoes and hurricanes. The ones down on the Texas coast are built out of built out of uh, solid concrete. There's another example, and that's the uh, Safeguarding Tomorrow Revolving Loan Fund. What that is is part of FEMA's Hazard Mitigation Assistance Program. Uh, the grant programs help communities increase resilience to uh, not just hurricanes, but other other uh, problems such as heat waves, wildfires, droughts, and floods. Uh, the uh, They fund projects that reduce risk to those hazards, support adaptation to future conditions, and they reduce the impact of all disasters, not just hurricanes, on our most at-risk, underserved, and disadvantaged communities. That's really cool and sounds incredibly impactful. Thank you for sharing um, those initiatives. So, um, in your opinion, how does FEMA prioritize and allocate resources during the different phases of hurricane preparedness from planning and mitigation to response and recovery? Well, there are a lot of things that, that uh, go into that. As I mentioned before, FEMA is in communication year-round with our partners, and we have teams known as incident management assistance teams. These folks are among the first, if not the first, FEMA folks on the ground. And usually they get there before a hurricane hits. They work with our state, territorial, and tribal counterparts to assess what the needs are. And uh, and even when it's not hurricane season, these teams uh, make frequent trips to get acquainted with their partners and better understand the area. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's better to to know the people you're going to work with before you get into a disaster than it is when you shake hands with them the very first time the day after a hurricane. Now, as the states, territories, and tribes ramp up their preparations, they let FEMA know what their needs are and where they would like the resources to be staged. And these staging areas are usually decided on well in advance of the hurricane season. Sometimes they, they carry over from season to season to season. Uh, FEMA then works to get the needed resources to the staging area. And by resources, I mean things like food, water, blankets, cots, and sometimes generators big enough to power hospitals, uh, police stations, and fire stations. And the resources don't move from the staging area until a state or territory or tribe says they're ready for them. And while all that's going on, FEMA sets up a regional response coordination center in one of the regional offices, depending on depending on what part of the country is being being hit or about to be hit by that hurricane. And these regional response coordination centers uh, support the uh, state or tribe or territory until a joint field office is set up. A lot of conversations are held between the regional office, the IMATS, other federal agencies, and our par uh, other partners. If there's something the uh, state, tribes, or territories need, they ask for it. And then FEMA figures out how to get that stuff to, uh, to where it's needed. Frequently, the military is tasked with getting the, the uh, resources to where they're needed. Sometimes uh, they're flown in, and sometimes they're trucked in by contractors. And while all that's going on, just to make sure everybody knows what's going on, 
FEMA reaches out to members of Congress to keep them informed about what we're doing and what assistance might be available in the event of a disaster declaration for their constituents. And we have teams that are dedicated to working with the tribal nations to help them get whatever assistance they may need and keep them informed. If the event's big enough, the National Response Coordination Center is activated as well, and we can call on, on help from them. If there's a and if there's a disaster declaration, FEMA moves more staff into the area to work with the state, territory, or tribe to find a location for a joint field office. That joint field office is the administrative office for the disaster. And as a side note, uh, only the governor can request a declaration for a state. Your senator, your U.S. senator uh, can can say, hey, I, hey, Mr. President, please give us a, de a disaster declaration. But he or she is not the one who can formally uh, make the disaster request. That's uh, usually the governor. Now, if the governor is somewhere out of state, then the lieutenant governor can make the request. And for tribes or territories, the person who can make the request is the leader or executive officer of the tribe or territory. Let's talk a little bit about emergency disaster, uh, talk about uh, disaster declarations. An emergency declaration is limited in scope. A major disaster declaration can include assistance to individuals and businesses. It can also include assistance to cities, counties, or parishes in the case of Louisiana and state and territorial governments to reimburse them for uh, expenses incurred in repairing uh, damaged infra infrastructure. When the declaration includes public assistance, which uh, I just talked about, uh, about the assistance to counties and parishes, uh, when the declaration includes public assistance, sessions are held to tell potential applicants how they can apply for assistance and the public assistance program is administered by the state, tribe, or territory, and funded by FEMA. And communities and some nonprofit agencies are reimbursed for repairs to things like roads and bridges and schools. And, you know, this part of the recovery can take years and years to complete. When the major disaster declaration includes individual assistance, that's help for individuals and businesses and homeowners. There are several ways to register for assistance that are activated. One is by making an old-fashioned phone call. Another is by registering over the internet. Another uh, is by using the FEMA app on your phone. And a lot of times, uh, disaster survivor assistance teams actually walk through the damaged areas and talk to the survivors and they can register people on site using the uh, tablets that the uh, survivor assistance teams have. And these teams are likely to be composed of uh, people from young people from FEMA Corps. And speaking of assistance, the U.S. Small Business Administration also provides low interest loans to help individual survivors recover. And sometimes when, it, when there's a disaster declaration, people are surprised to see that only a few counties or parishes are included in that initial disaster declaration. That's a normal thing. Other counties or parishes can be added later. These initial counties just get the ball rolling and, can, and more can be added later as additional information is received. 
And now, sometimes, speaking of uh, types of assistance, sometimes survivors whose homes are damaged or destroyed are given vouchers to hotels that participate in the transitional shelter program. Sometimes, and this is a last resort, FEMA gets a request to bring in and set up temporary housing for those whose homes have been damaged or destroyed. This is in those cases where there is very little or no housing available for those folks. FEMA also works closely with the private sector in order to get information to their customers about the types of assistance available. And remember, disasters are locally executed, state administered, and federally funded. Eventually, that disaster will wind down. And as it does, disaster recovery centers close. And FEMA works with voluntary agencies to continue to help with those unmet needs. Yeah, that was very fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I personally learned a lot about how FEMA like prioritizes and allocates responses from like the Congress level to like local levels. And that was really experience, Mr. Armstrong. What are some mis common um, misconceptions that people have about hurricane preparedness, as I asked before, and how are they addressed? Well, you know, uh, we, we talked about this, as you mentioned a little earlier. People just discount the potential dangers that hurricanes uh, pose. They disregard warnings to evacuate. Some think, oh, it's not going to be that bad. And sometimes people who went through a bad hurricane forget how bad the last one was. Some people, when they're watching TV or looking at their looking at their phones for the for the uh, track of the hurricane, they look at that track and don't realize that the storm is maybe not going to be exactly where the center of that cone is. In reality, that storm could go to uh, one side or the other of that cone, or it could speed up or it could slow down. Uh, the National Weather Service is uh, doing a great job of improving their forecast and their messaging about the dangers of hurricanes. I think they've uh, been able to extend their uh, their forecast uh, data by to about a week. Uh, but anyway, it, it's much better than it used to be. Uh, media do a great job of looking back at the uh, previous hurricanes, as well as uh, reminding people that they need to be prepared. Governments at all levels have stepped up their efforts to make people aware and remind them of the dangers. But, you know, like anything else people do, more can be done. Oh, thank you for sharing those like different like initiatives you're talking about and like different how people won't um, realize the significance and like how brutal a hurricane can be until after. And also mentioning at the end that obviously there can always be more done. Like that's also important to know. So what role do public affairs specialists play in um, disseminating accurate and timely information during a hurricane? And how can individuals and businesses contribute to this effort? All right. I'll try not to be long-winded in this answer. Uh, public affairs specialists work closely with the news media. We participate in the uh, preliminary damage assessments that are done 
uh, before disasters. And those assessments are conducted by teams from the state, tribe, and territory, the U.S. Small Business Administration, and local officials. The uh, local officials are there to take the team to the sites of the worst damage. And these assessments are done to get information to help a governor decide if there's enough damage to request a disaster declaration. And public affairs specialists write and distribute news releases, answer media inquiries, reach out to local media to explain how FEMA is responding and where and how survivors can apply for assistance. Uh, we also attend local meetings just in case media are there and uh, want to ask questions. Uh, public affairs specialists go to disaster recovery centers in case media show up. And uh, what can individuals do, individuals and businesses do to, uh, to uh, contribute to the effort? Well, spread the word. Individuals can help by checking on their neighbors and friends to see if they're okay and to see if they've heard about any disaster assistance that's available. Sometimes businesses donate goods or services, and sometimes they allow uh, FEMA mitigation specialists to have a table in their businesses, uh, you know, someplace like one of the big box stores. Uh, the mitigation specialists will go in, set up a table and explain ways people can possibly reduce the damage from the next uh, from the next storm. Um, it's really cool how you collaborate with media in like many different ways in order to get like public attention. And I found I never knew about that process, so I found it really like interesting. Can you discuss the importance of community engagement and collaboration in building a more resilient society against the impacts of hurricanes? Well, you know, it's an old saying, but it's true. Good things happen when people work together. You can attend community meetings, find out what your local and state governments are planning in order to protect your community from uh, hurricanes and other disasters. You can reach out to elected officials to see what they're doing. Let them know what you're interested in as far as uh, becoming more resilient against the impact of hurricanes. Learn what state and federal agencies are doing to mitigate against disasters. Encourage them all to be active in preparing for disasters. I love like the saying that you mentioned at the beginning. Definitely that but good things happen when all people work together. And I definitely agree. I feel like that goes for everything, especially emergency preparedness. And uh, thank you for sharing that. So like, um, look, how does... FEMA work together um, with businesses to enhance disaster preparedness plans and what resources are available to help them navigate the challenges posed by hurricanes? Well, a good way for businesses or anybody else for that matter to get information on disaster preparedness is to go to www.ready.gov. They have all kinds of information there. Uh, and the U.S. Small Business Administration is a good way to find assistance uh, for businesses after a, a storm. FEMA's National Business Emergency Operations Center coordinates and enhances uh, information sharing between the government partners in business, industry, and infrastructure organizations. And that's before, during, and after disasters. Now, the National Business Emergency Operations Center can't contract with businesses but let's say a business 
wants to know how to do business with FEMA, uh, you know, you know, after a disaster, they can go to www.fema.gov slash doing hyphen business, and they can learn how to do business with FEMA. That's really cool that there's various like um, sections made specifically to help businesses rather than just like the ready.gov being for everyone. I didn't know that they had a separate section for businesses, so we'll definitely look at it and see if there's any more. So I was wondering for like looking ahead with emerging technologies, as you were talking about with apps, do you see influence do you see it influencing the future of hurricane preparedness and management both at an individual and organizational level well i mentioned the national weather service earlier increasing accuracy in their forecast models uh, is going to be very helpful in making preparedness plans for individuals and organizations and improvements in geographic information systems will help everybody get a handle on where they're heading and what areas are vulnerable and and just you know what is going on in their in their area and of course social media will play a part as well and so uh, for the foreseeable future anyway so will traditional radio tv and newspapers uh, uh, yeah i definitely also agree that social media would definitely also play a big part especially as it's like increasing in the future um so that was all my questions thank you so much for being here today it was truly an honor to have you on my podcast and i personally learned so much about hurricane preparedness and uh community responses with fema so yeah thank you and it was like truly a pleasure talking to you well thank you for having me and and uh, have a happy new year thank you